Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Yepes Blundell. Startup CPG is a community dedicated to helping young CPG brands succeed. We do this a few ways, like providing you access to resources and advice from industry experts that you can take and implement into your own brand strategy. This episode is just that. We'll hear from Rebecca Hubbard, Managing Director of Heart Creative, a content and digital marketing agency. If your brand is feeling a bit stuck in a rut, not quite connecting with consumers, or if you're struggling to set yourself apart from competitors, it might be time for a refresh. So listen in, take some notes. Rebecca's going to lay out the framework for redefining your brand in three simple steps. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for being here today. Hi. How are you, Jennifer? I'm doing fantastic. Tell me a little bit about Heart Creative, what you guys do, and a little bit about yourself. Uh, Heart Creative is a 25-person creative and marketing agency here in Portland. Our group uh, has both creative and marketing arms serving CPG brands. We help brands take their digital presence to the next level, both so... um, So it looks professional and they're accomplishing something with their digital presence. Uh, So we can be that clear, experienced eye for them on what is actually working in their digital marketing strategy. My role is that I'm the managing director. I was actually one of the first, depends on whether or not you tally founders as employees, but there were Molly and Jen, our co-founders, started the company and they hired myself and Meg Scott around the same time. And that was seven or eight years ago at this point. So I've been with Heart ever since, and I've worked in pretty much every department since then, except for culinary, because Meg has had that covered from day one. (laughs) And what I love about you guys is that you are category specific, industry specific. You've got some great CPG clients, Pacific Foods, Tofurky, Tolerant Foods. You got some CBD beverages and some wines. So it sounds like you know your space. Yeah, I definitely would say so. When Molly and Jen actually met and kind of brainstormed the seed of the idea that would become Heart Creative, they were thinking about helping people live and eat better and uh, CPGs. And to some degree, uh, you know, we've dabbled in working with restaurants and nonprofits and lifestyle brands as well, but all very focused on living better, living healthier. And that's always been our focus. Well, I wanted to bring you in because I think what Heart Creative does is so important. And one of the pillars that we were looking at is this process for our founders of refining your brand. And what does that really mean? So tell me a little bit about how you're helping clients. When are they coming to you when they need that brand refresh? We have a pretty wide variety of different types of companies that we work with. Some of them are decades old global brands who have been naturals from the get-go. There just wasn't really a term for it at the time. And many of them are smaller startups or brands that are trying to break into the next level of prominence and sales. Uh, The vast majority of our clients, I would definitely describe as challenger brands. They are trying to remake something. They're trying to do something better. They are trying to be something that does not exist in the market, but should. And they come to us at a time when they are ready to start getting serious about social and marketing. They often have moved past the point, I think this is true of every small business, that there's a time when the social media is done by the founder at two o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And our clients are typically ready to move past that. Um, And they're also often ready to move past having kind of one marketing manager 
do all the things, which is a really tough position to be in if your company is growing and you really need to start having very specific trade marketing efforts and event marketing and all these other things. Um, and so that's typically when we come in is when brands are ready to really start growing and they need someone who can be the expert and just take this part off their plate. So can you give me an example of a client that you've worked with when you're helping them refine their brand? Yes. So um, we worked with uh, one client a while back, I think is a good example. They um, developed a savory, salty, ready to eat snack in a legacy business, but they branded this snack separately and new and totally separate from the legacy company. And they had originally imagined that as being kind of part of a wine and cheese experience, a kind of a luxury product. And we worked with them to create a plan to test this assumption and against some of the product's other benefits. For example, it was gluten-free, it was low carb, it was crunchy. That was something they really wanted to test. And then there are a few health claims that they could also say about it, for example, protein. So we tested all those concepts against each other. And by the time that we were done, we had come up with a completely different mindset of how they should be marketing this snack. It was a different demographic. It was a different age group. It was a different brand positioning. Uh, it really just changed how they were thinking about the product altogether. That's a really interesting example because it sounds like there's really some bite-sized steps that you can break this process down into. So what is that first step for refining your brand? To me, refining the brand means getting really, really dialed in about why people buy your product in the first place when they buy your product, what occasions it's for, what role it plays in their life. In this stage, um, where your where growth is so critical, you want to be speaking directly to your most likely customers, as opposed to doing the spray and pray and talk to everyone for every reason and hoping it lands on the right people. That's something that I think a lot of, it's, it's a hard kind of mental process to really drill down on what does your brand need mean and to whom. No product is going to be everything to everybody. And that is okay. In fact, it's actually really good information for brands to find out. Just like there are people who are exactly your people. So for example, we work with Tolerant, a legume-based pasta, and I'm a mother of two toddlers and I'm trying to balance the like mountains of animal crackers that my children want to eat with healthy food as well. So having a legume-based pasta that is shaped in cool shapes is exactly what I need in my kitchen right now. <laughs> so that's a really great example of, I just happen to be Tolerance exact target audience. And they know that, and I know that, but not every brand goes in with that specific of a use case, but it is really important to find that. So, you know, and, and it's just true that every product is gonna be great for some people and just not what is needed for everyone out there. And you just don't want to be targeting the people who they're not going to be your buyers. And so, you know, at Heart Creative, you're helping your clients with this definition, right? The consumer analysis, the focus group, the competitor analysis. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, that's often, if our best case scenario would be to start with the research. And we rely heavily on data and trends and reporting and primary sources to create strategies for our brands. 
And it also is really important to have a second or even a third voice in some cases if you're working with a research firm as well, because we have seen time and time again, brands come in with a leading question that gives them exactly the answer that they want to hear. And then they go off in this direction that is not what we would recommend and it does not have good results. So I think it's um, it's really important to do that research and really get into the data so you can really find your place in the market and what the what the white space you can occupy is. There's also definitely room for kind of aggressive taking over of market share as well, but you've got to find that starting place to begin where you know who you are and what you mean to your most core audience. So I'm hearing that step one is all about defining and definition. So coming out of that step one, I now have a stronger sense of who I should be focusing on, you know, from the consumer perspective, I have a better sense of that competitive landscape and what my brand needs to solve for. What's next? So the next step is when we actually get in and do testing on your information specifically. So we can do all the research in the world and we do, but it's not the same as getting real data on your product, your value propositions, and your target audiences. And so the next step is to actually test it. Um, and our favorite way to do that is ads on either PPC ads or on paid social. There are other ways as well, like you mentioned, a focus group and and surveys, and those are also very helpful. But the okay, reason- you dropped a you dropped a marketing term. What's PPC? Oh, sorry, pay per click. <laughs> so that would be ads like. Google or Instacart, or if you're a restaurant, Yelp, pay-per-click. So basically you only pay when people actually click. And so that's one way to, you know, it's really great option if you are actually trying to convert sales. And it also is a very specific measure of intent because you can get an ad in front of millions of people if you want to, but what you really want to find out is who and who is clicking and why. So, um, so the PPC ads are a really strong component of, of this option, but they are much more powerful if you already have your uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce set up. And so what exactly are we testing? Are we testing new visuals, new messaging, both? Yeah, actually, typically both, but you don't have to do both. What we do really strongly recommend is that we are only testing maybe two variables in a given set of ads. So often we will have one variable be the messaging and one variable be the target audience. And sometimes we'll test two pieces of creative in the mix as well. So often you'll end up with a matrix of about 15 or 20 ads where you've got four messages, two target audiences, and two pieces of creative. And you basically want to run every combination thereof. Uh, We help by creating the strategy to run these ads, both in terms of creating the art. We have a lot of e-commerce experience on our team, knowing what actually moves product, what actually drives intent. So we can help creating the videos and photos that you need for ads. They're also great for a lot of other things like our photos are on our customers' booths at Expo West. They are printed on their packages. We offer a full buyout model. So we want to equip our customers to go ahead and use those for whatever they want. But we do like to shoot or film material specifically for these ads. 
And then we also do write the ads themselves and manage them if that's what the clients are interested in. And the most important thing I think is that we also do build those target audiences. And that's actually a very tactical task because it's not really helpful for you to go in and target exactly you. So I always like to use Peloton as a great example of marketing because I think they're brilliant and I have one and I love it. But Peloton is not going to come advertise to me, someone who likes Peloton on Instagram, who talks about Peloton, who is probably very obviously like part of the brand family in my digital habits, but I already have one. So it does not help them to target followers of Peloton on Instagram. So what we do is dig in and see what are the habits of the target audiences. So for example, with one global brand we're working on right now, they have one target audience that's a millennial, likely mom, but not necessarily set in stone. And then their secondary audience is a more of a like 55 year old woman who's well established in her career. And one really clear difference between the two of those audiences is that the millennial woman watches like less than half of the television hours that the 55 year old woman does. That's a big difference. And so the question that we might ask is what is the millennial woman doing during her time that she's not watching television? Is she listening to a podcast? Is she outside? Is she chasing her kids? We, it's our job to figure that out and then figure out what targeting can we figure out from that information. I mean, in this partnership with you would be imperative because, you know, if I'm trying to do this by myself, it can seem very, very daunting and not knowing the correct questions to ask, not knowing how to allocate the spending. Like, so does Heart Creative make each dollar go further during testing? Like, how are you helping your clients in that? A couple of things that I think are really helpful there. The first one, to be totally honest, is just time. Our team is keeping a very close eye on those ads in a way that I think that most companies, when they try to do them in-house, it's very difficult to allocate that amount of human hours to really monitor and to take things down if they aren't working. It's, it's We don't want to be spending our clients' money on ads that are falling behind. And it usually shows up fairly quickly that some ads are doing better than other ads. So if we're looking at this matrix of 20 and we see that we've got like three standouts, a middle section of kind of every, they're doing okay. They might move up in the rankings. Um, they're not, they're meeting expectations, but they're not knocking it out of the park. We might lead those, but we might see that there's a three or four at the bottom that the combinations just are not singing to people. There's no reason to let them run if they're obviously doing poorly. So our team will just shut those off right away because they see that they can see the path they're taking. We We've been this, we've been here before. We totally can, we can kind of see that this is enough of a departure that it's not time to spend any more on these. And so we will turn those off. The second piece is really just having the expertise to get pretty darn targeted before you even get started. And, you know, you can spend, you can run ads and you can eventually get people to buy things. Uh, but sometimes it's a long road to get to a price that you actually want to pay. And we provide years of expertise and data that helps us get a much bigger head start on actually knowing who this audience is and what they are doing. In many cases, we, when we have a new client, we already have a lot of relevant information from working on other campaigns that we might know. So for example, maybe we figured out in a previous campaign 
that a lot of millennial parents are watching a certain show or a reading a certain magazine, stuff like that that's not proprietary, but it's just stuff we've learned. And we're able to start from a more advantageous position just based on that historical knowledge. So now we have a stronger sense of brand identity. We can now begin to see what's testing well, what's resonating with consumers, What's my final step coming out of that testing phase? Once you've run this campaign, you've probably learned quite a bit. And there are various objectives that you can run that are all really important, right? Like collect email addresses. You could be doing actual conversions. You could be growing your following. You could be just building brand awareness. Once you've completed your campaign, that's the time that you want to take a look and iterate. Perhaps you've learned enough from your first campaign that you can get going on some other initiatives. So for example, maybe you ran one minimalist graphic design oriented piece of art versus a different one that's way more tablescape with beautiful flowers and complicated dishes. And in many cases, not every case, but we often see the minimalist one do really well. And so maybe you've learned that and now you decide you want to change your Instagram feed to be way more in that direction. That's really good information for you. Um, Maybe you're getting ready to build a website and that's a piece of information you can take into your art direction for a new website. Maybe you've learned a little bit more about your target demographic and that changes the way that you use your brand voice. For example, if you have learned that your market is not, in fact, 55-year-old professional women, but it's, um, you know, Gen Z, then you probably need to change how you write your copy. And you probably want to be talking about different value propositions because those two audiences have very different reasons that they get on board with brand on board with brands in the first place. And so are you helping advise your clients on where to start? Am I turning on the faucet full force and going the whole nine yards with new packaging and new copy and new social and new, you know, website? Or can this be refined in smaller increments? Most of our brands are more successful if they do it step by step. Um, It's, I think that it's in an ideal world, I would say yes, like burn it to the ground, let's build it back up and make it all totally cohesive. That is almost never a realistic choice um, just because of time and, and the number of people involved and we may be working with other agencies. It's just not something that is typically done all at once. I think that a really great place to start, we typically start, is doing those strategy pieces we talked about earlier and starting with an art direction and brand voice. And so those things allow us to find a shared expectation on the look and feel of the brand that informs everything else that we do. So once we've kind of done those kind of startup pieces, that's when we would say like, okay, let's look at your website Let's look at your Shopify page. Let's look at your social packaging is something that is typically much longer unless it's already something that was planned to be done. That one's way more long lead typically, and we are happy to help with that. It just typically comes later in the process. I think it's a good piece of advice too for our community to keep in mind when you're looking for a partner to help you refine your brand, right? You're defining, you're testing, you're learning and deploying, but choosing a partner that's going to help you actually with that last piece of deployment. And whether that's through social or I know Creative Heart does a lot of like recipe testing. I mean, you you have a house of services that you can help support after the learnings. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think that recipes, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a really critical piece in my opinion, is having your recipes actually work. There are famous brands out there with bad recipes on their packaging and somebody buys your product, makes a recipe on the back of the box and it doesn't work. That's the last time they're going to buy your product. And that's not an impression that I think anyone wants to risk. So having recipes written and tested by professionals, we also help test products themselves. So for example, we have worked on testing alternative products versus the conventional to say like, can you bake with this? Can you make muffins? Can you make pancakes? Can you make cookies? How does that work? How is it different? And so the, um, the brand goes in knowing like, how does this actually function in a typical kitchen? And it's also, I think, important to note that we test it in a home style kitchen as opposed to testing in a commercial kitchen, which is what your customers are doing, to be totally honest. (laughs) And um, so that's, I think, a really core component is providing your customer with the knowledge of how and why to use your product. And then the other thing that I think is really important to start thinking about is growing your entire ecosystem of communication. So I mentioned website and Shopify. Some of our clients come to us with that already in place and we build it for some of them. Um, And that typically leads to email marketing next. And that's, to me, that's really the kind of line in the sand that you really want to get to as a brand is being far enough along that you have a robust email marketing program that is supported by the content and recipes on your website, the website itself being beautiful, the Shopify page being easy to order, the beautiful social posts that would lead to the website. All of these things are part of an ecosystem and the last missing piece is email. Um, You know, a person's email is the single most valuable piece of information you can have about them because they have already opted in to hear your message, assuming you're abiding by the law. Um, but um, you know, you, businesses are required to, to have people opt in. And so once they've opted in, that's a huge signal from this customer that's like, hey, I'm interested. I want to hear more. I'm, you know, I want to keep tabs on you. Let me know when there's a sale. Like that's what doesn't get better than that as a marketer. And email is also abundantly trackable. You can tell how, how many times people have purchased from you? When was the last time they did? How, how big of a fan are they? And um, it just provides a wealth of information and a wealth of uh, revenue, to be totally honest, because email is, I think it's something like 30 times more effective than Facebook ads for revenue. It's, it's, it's a big number. And the reason is because those people are further down in the funnel. So if I were advising any brand I think that would be my top advice is you have got to get to this point where you have these other things and you have a, a robust, professionally executed email campaign. Because that's the other thing is we take our clients from like 10% open rates to 25. It's It really makes a difference to have an experienced group working on it as opposed to just working with templates and MailChimp. Yeah. I mean, and clearly you're an experienced group (laughs) at at Heart Creative, right? And I absolutely love that you're partners and part of the Startup CPG community because our community does have a lot of emerging founders in that natural category. You're super industry specific. Um, What I personally love is your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, Heart Creative is a woman, women-owned, people of color-owned agency. You guys are a B Corp, meaning that, you know, you're certified and really committed to impacting the world for the better. 
What does that radical goodness mean to you, Rebecca? To me, I think that it means recognizing where we stand in the world, having been owned by two women, um, one of whom is a person of color, both of whom are mothers. We've been able to take a really focused perspective on making a workplace that is a place for everyone to work. And that's really, really one of the things that drives me coming into work every day is thinking about what more can we be doing to make this a relationship with our entire employee, not just the work that they do from nine to five, but we want to support them as a whole person. And we want to be a place that grows employees for either their next internal promotion or their next job somewhere else. We want to be a good experience for them while doing good in the world for us as well. And I think those two are directly related. When people feel supported at their office, then they feel empowered and they feel seen and they feel safe and they feel comfortable getting creative and taking risks and being their true selves and, and letting exactly who they are shine in their work. And I've seen it happen so many times with our team. And it's, um, it's really, incredible to watch that when people feel like they are seen, they are willing to do their best. And that has been really awesome. Well, and I think too, you're being modest because you're you're speaking from a place of internal, but you're also doing that for your clients. And I see that approach and seeing your client as a whole person and wanting them to succeed. And I think that's what really sets Heart Creative apart from the rest. Thank you. Um, you know, I something, it's really a whole ecosystem because because we work with so many of these challenger brands who are trying to solve a problem for somebody, they are trying to, you know, be a better chocolate that you don't have to, you don't have to worry about the fact that it it's wasn't sourced well, because you know, it is, we serve clients like that, that also attracts employees who care deeply about that kind of thing. And often because they need it too, or they feel really strongly about food justice. I interviewed somebody a couple days ago for a job who's working on a master's in food systems. And I was so happy to see that um, because that's, it's not exactly what we do, but it's really closely knit with what we do. And it's so important to have that perspective, thinking about how, how food and equity impacts the world around us. And that's exactly who I want to be working for me is, is people with that perspective. Well, I love it. I hope all of our listeners are tapping you, Rebecca, and the rest of the team to help them build the brand, move forward, and have great impact. Thanks for joining us and special thanks to our community partner, Heart Creative. You can find them at heartcreative.co. Startup CPG is a national community, so come connect with other emerging brand founders and resource partners like Heart Creative via our Slack channel. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. This podcast was executive produced by me, Jennifer Yepes Blundell, and the theme music is by the Super Fantastics. Make sure to check them out at Spotify. And remember to leave a review, subscribe, or follow us wherever you're listening. See you next time.